Ahoy, and welcome to the Music Bowl. We hope you've been enjoying the Daily Grind interview series. We've got two more for you before the summer is out. And also, please let us know who you'd like to hear on the show. You can reach us on all social media platforms, as well as emailing us at herdandthewonderfish at gmail.com. Another way you can interact with myself and the Wonderfish is on our Patreon page. Uh, you can reach that at patreon.com slash herdandthewonderfish. Over there, you'll find extra blurbs from the Wonderfish about music and culture and a series that we call Stump Each Other. Basically, we call each other at random and ask random questions and hope that we can uh, answer the question or stump the other and we just kind of see how those go. And I also do a monthly music roundup talking about which albums you should be checking out from each month. With that, today's episode is the second half of a conversation the Wonderfish and I had about a month ago regarding our practice routines. We hope you enjoy. Yeah, and I think we mentioned that the first episode too about just how important even just those 10 minutes can be. You might not think it means much, but mm-hmm. like for me personally, it means a ton and I can tell the difference when I do it as opposed to when I skip it. Oh, absolutely. And I know um, if you you know the name Yannick Wasdala, he does... Um, he's had entire like vlog videos and stuff on like what he practices if he only has 10 minutes and how to so that's it's that's a very big topic in the music music community especially mm-hmm. you know for people like you who are much more uh you're in a field and you're you're much more day job oriented or like your life mm-hmm. is much more in a different direction like but you still mm-hmm. want to make progress <clears throat> you know you right. still want to get better and improve so mm-hmm. um, it just come kind of comes down to that just the management of it all and not even time management it just comes down to like you still have the whiteboard and you just make your progress when you can, you know? Yes, exactly. Which is very different from a college mindset. Oh, I can only imagine. Know, because it was, yeah. you. if you're not putting in four hours a day, I don't know how you expect to get any better as a college mm. musician. Like, there's just too much stuff to do There's and there's too much to learn, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I, I found, you know, for my first two years, my practice sessions were usually like 10 to 2 a.m., um, or, or roughly, yeah. and then it was, you know, up at 8 a.m. and go to classes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then at my second college, it was usually closer to 6 to 10. Um, it, and that also depended on the day of the week. Uh, but I was, but then after that, it was usually like, you know, 11 to 1 or 2 were the jazz sessions. So I would sit mm-hmm. in the practice room just by myself, me and a classical guitar for four hours. And I also have my guitar with me at my in my apartment. And so, mm-hmm. like, my roommates had my recital memorized by the time I gave that because they heard it so many times. <laughs> they heard so many phrases. You know, there there were certain, like, it, like just things burned into their brain by the time it came around to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps, like, with all the nerves and a thing. Because I, I see a lot of young musicians, like, very nervous to perform. Yeah. But I, I see a lot of them also under-preparing to perform. Mm-hmm. You know, you just can't take away that time in the shed. Like, it's just so crucial to just be doing it every day yeah can we can we talk about that term shed a little bit yeah i don't i mean what's the question so i think when you you had the opportunity to go to college and study music mm-hmm. so what would like a typical shedding session look like for you um all right so if, if, when i was doing the classical stuff because i did both and they were both very very different so Classical guitar was 
I'd usually start by warming up with my scales. And so at the time I was doing like the Segovia scale methods. And so it was whatever scale I was on that week. Um, and so, and that was, that would change every week. Um, it would, mm -hmm. you know, and that was usually just like cycle of four. So you just, you and your teacher pick one and you do that for the week and whatever. And I had a whole system of how I would go through it. It wasn't just go up and down once it was, you know, metronomes mm -hmm. on metronome was on like at all times <clears throat> and it mm -hmm. might be quarter note 60. And then I think I had like 12 different rhythms, um, and variations of going up and down the scale that I would do. Now, would your teacher like direct you? with your practice sessions or was it totally on you and you had to figure out how to organize them? Uh, yeah, really good question. My first guitar teacher said, this is exactly what you have to do. And this is what you are going to do. And he get, he was the one who gave me the 12 rhythms and he, he was the one who set the tempo goals and he was like, do this, you know, mm -hmm. and it, but it wasn't like an iron law of like, right, right. you know, but it was just like, this is what I'm going to ask you to do because I think this will help you get better. Mm -hmm. My second guitar teacher was very much just like, yeah, play your scales. I'll hear them next week. And, okay, <laughs> you know, and that was like, it was like, okay. Uh, and so it, that at that point, it was very much on me to stay regimented. And I tried like loosening up that structure, but I think mm -hmm. because I had such a strict structure to start with um, that when I took that away, I just felt like it was a little more nebulous. And I also kind of mm -hmm. did interject some of my own ideas because like my first teacher, the tempo goals were very different than what I did with my second teacher. Also, I was, you know, two years down the line at that point, but still like right. I, I just kind of like evolved it to be more at the level I was at. Um, but then after scales, I would also do just like <coughs> um, open string right hand dexterity drills. And just like all the typical things that come, you know, if it was, if you're a cello player, it's your bow work or whatever, like you're, you're still doing scales right. and bowings and it's, it's all that stuff. And so I would just map out, um, you know, it was usually about 20 minutes on scales and then 20 minutes on my right hand, just dexterity stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and then at that point it was, you know, break time and I would just put the guitar down and walk out of the room and just do a lap around whatever floor I was on. Mm -hmm. you know, and stop and talk to someone for just a couple of minutes. Like, and then it was, it wasn't like stop and talk to someone for an hour. It was, you know, <laughs> I'm just like yeah. letting my body breathe, talk to him for a minute at the drinking fountain and like, okay, I got to get back to it. Um, mm -hmm. and then from there it was just a lot of time on my pieces. I generally was doing three pieces at a time, which isn't like that much, but you know, that's, um, that, that's just like the number that my teachers had decided on was we're going to work on three at a time. So, okay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you just find the trouble spots, work on those. Like for the guitar, I was writing in fingerings and like doing all that stuff. And um, again, metronome is on at all times, working through this stuff, just super, super slow. Um, and the slower I went, the more perfect it had to be. And it just had to be absolutely perfect Yes. at a slow that, tempo. Yeah, that is such a huge piece of all of this. Uh, mm -hmm. I would think with any instrument, I mean, I don't, I can't say that with a hundred percent certainty, but just for the, the music that I've worked on, if you, you have to start slow and build yeah. up. Yep. Yep. And it has to be. I don't think be, there's any substitute. No. And it has to be perfect. If it's not, if mm -hmm. you can't play it slow, mm -hmm. you can't play it fast, mm -hmm. you know? So and that, and what I would do is I would try and play something fast and figure out what techniques I needed to do at that tempo. Mm -hmm. and then kind of like reverse engineer 
and write down what exact fingering I was trying to play at that tempo. So I knew, because at a slow tempo, something might be different than what you do at a fast tempo. Yeah. But you need to know what you're going to do with the fast tempo to practice it. So I would do it once just to be like, okay, here's what I want to do and have this line flow this way. And then, mm-hmm. and then slow it down and make it perfect. Um, like painfully slow. Like nobody wants to hear you play this slow. Ever, right. You know, <laughs> but like, it is painful. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But you do. But that also gives you such a stronger sense of internal time and working through those things. So, mm-hmm. um, and that was usually the next, like, you know, however long I had. And usually it was a couple hours to sit in there and work through those pieces. And it, at that point it was about 40 to 45, sometimes 50 minutes per piece, mm-hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how close to a recital I was, it was usually 40 minutes if I was kind of far out and it was closer, much closer to that hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, after every piece, let your body rest. I'd go and walk around the, you know, the what floor I was on, maybe say hi to the same person, things like that. Um, and then I would end every session by just playing through the piece, like whatever it was, however, whatever shape it was in, whatever tempo was appropriate, it just would end with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was honestly generally how the jazz stuff went, except that the jazz stuff, I would end every practice session with just free playing, like just, right. you know, just whatever, maybe, maybe even just playing through a tune and just improvising on the tune for a while. Or a lot of times it was just freely coming up with stuff. But I was at that point, I was still doing scales. The scales were very different. There was a lot more scales. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just was like in, with the, with the guitar, it was major minor. Um, sometimes because the Segovia method, at least with this first book was just major minor. There was no harmonic or melodic. Um, uh, gotcha. But with the jazz stuff, it was, you know, every mode of major minor, every mode of harmonic minor, every mode of melodic minor, all the arpeggios, like there was just way more content. And I was grad level at that point too. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but it was, so, and that was, you know, generally the same. Um, I'd start with bowings at that point, get the upright, you know, just making sound with open strings and then just kind of went from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You brought up another point too, that I, I just, I don't feel like it gets talked about enough. So I just want to emphasize mm-hmm. that taking breaks is important. Like you, you learn so much yeah. better and so much more efficiently if you actually take a break, like every 25 minutes or so. Yeah. Yep. Um, I so actually that actually brings up a good point. I know we were going to talk about this at the end, but I'll I'll just mention it now. There's the app that I use to do that. Um, oh, you, okay. You can use a timer, and that like just your regular iPhone timer, or have a watch and be really diligent at looking at the clock, whatever you need to. Um, and I think ten years ago it was me just looking at a clock because I didn't have an iPhone at that point either, mm-hmm. like you. But now, <laughs> <coughs> um, now the app is called Focus Keeper that I use. Mm-hmm. And it it's just a timer, but the way it works is it automatically sets my periods of like play and rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you can set those for however long. So for me at the moment, I think I have twenty five on, five off. And oh, so, perfect. yeah, so it will the timer counts down, and one alarm goes off when it hits twenty five minutes, and then it automatically starts my next timer for five minutes. Um, but like the color of the thing changes and like the tones that it uses changes. And so after those next five minutes go, it kicks back in and I can tell it how many cycles of that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I can tell it exactly how long I want to practice, how many breaks are going to be in there. And then after say four cycles of that, so two hours, you're done, but it automatically, yeah. it, it helps. That one really helps me keep track of like my on and off periods and, um, how many how long I've actually been doing it. Cause you, I can't tell you how many times 
I've just been playing like one thing and I look down and it's like, it's been an hour. (laughs) 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 I've only done, you know what I mean? Or, you know, things like that. So it just really helps me keep track of that stuff. Um, and I force myself to be honest to it. Like, I don't say like, Oh, I'm just going to practice through my break. Like, no, your body needs that time to rest. Mm -hmm. Um, and also listening counts. Like you can just like in that five minute break, go and not even, you could either listen to yourself if you've been recording your session or go and listen to like a recording of the professional orchestra just doing whatever piece mm-hmm. you're doing or whatever jazz stuff or rock stuff or like whatever, just listen to what you're supposed to be sounding like. And then yeah. after that five minutes is done, you can kind of come back to it. Right. I think it's important to note as well that just playing your instrument is not the only way to practice, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. you can listen to things. Um, I know that like I'm working on songs, you know, I go through periods of my life where I write a ton of new stuff and then it kind of subsides for a while. But that to mm-hmm. me, that counts as practicing. I, if, if I'm in writing mode, I am taking time every day, at least half an hour. Right. So can you break that down? Like write. what is, what is practicing songwriting look like for you? <laughs> I'm always intrigued by like just people's processes and what they kind of mean by that. Yeah. So I noticed that when I was just starting out writing songs that I would write out songs that I loved first and just see what they look like on paper. Mm-hmm. And I don't really, I don't know if that's something everyone does. Um, but I, I just like to see how I would break it down, actually writing out some of my favorite songs, like the lyrics and where the chorus is. And if they had a pre-chorus and I mean, we could get all, all into that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just like the song form, you mean? Just all Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I know if I'm in writing mode that I I want to take 30 minutes every day to mm. look through what I've been working on. Um, if I've got a certain song that I'm working on that week, then that is my focus. I'm not worried about anything else in my practicing except for writing that song. And that could it can involve having the guitar out with me or it can just be with my notebook and I might not have the guitar out. Oh, okay. So it depends on the day. Right. So Uh, at that point, if it's just your notebook, are you just like hearing the ideas in your head and jotting down thoughts or? Yep. I might not have, I might not have a musical idea yet. It might just be words or lyrics. Mm, Okay. Or I might have a melody and I don't really have the chords to it yet. So, you know, once I have a really solid idea, then I tend to get the guitar out and find out which chords fit best and where I want it to go. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, also listening to your favorite music, you know, finding that inspiration, that for me counts as practice too. Mm-hmm. And it could be, again, like I might have the guitar out and playing along, or it might just be, you know, sitting down with the headphones on and actually really listening to it part by part like we've talked about. Yeah, the the active listening portion of that. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. And then the other piece is if you're doing the recording on your own, with your own equipment instead of going to mm-hmm. a, a studio um, and you've got all the gear, you know, with you, mm-hmm. that takes practice too. Like for the past, you know, 10, 10 years, I've been working on, you know, learning how to use the software yeah. recording techniques and that can take a big chunk of time. But that's something that you cannot neglect. Right. Right. Yep. Now do you but ever like, you like were saying, do you ever just record like a session just to, kind of see how to do it is that what you're talking about oh totally yeah so once i once i figure out the basics (laughs) and that might involve like 
a week of finding videos on YouTube of how to use Pro Tools or how to use GarageBand or whatever software you're using. Mm -hmm. Like it might take a week or two of actually studying the stuff before you can actually try it out. Mm -hmm. And like we were saying earlier with, you know, depending on what your goals are for the week, that definitely will dig into my guitar time. So, you know, working on a solo or working on chords, that's not going to happen that week because my attention needs to be focused on the software. Right. So that becomes the most pressing thing that you focus on and that just replaces your time on the instrument. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. And I, I just don't know if like certain, certain musicians might not agree with me that that's practice, but for me, that's part of becoming a better musician and part of, reaching my goal is I, I mean, I have right. to get that done. I have to learn how to do it. Right. Well, and it's also, it's a personal thing. You have said that is your goal that you want to learn that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't see anything. I do the same thing when I buy a new pedal. Like it just mm-hmm. becomes playing with toys for an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably had to go through that. I've seen the, the big line six board that you have. Oh, um, I don't even, I am not even halfway <laughs> done learning how to use right, that. Right. But, but imagine like, how many, how many hours have you spent just sitting on the floor pushing buttons, seeing what everything does, you know? So many. Yeah. I've got my big red boss board that I do that with. Or every time I buy a new pedal, it's just sit on the floor for an hour and play with all the knobs and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what, um, getting close to wrapping up here, what apps are you using? Because I kind of mentioned the Focus Keeper thing. Um, and I'm yeah. also, I'm just using like general metronomes and things like that what are what are some things that you're gonna have um and and also specifically do you have any songwriting things that you use like is there any like prompts or guides that you kind of go with there yeah so there are there's a ton of stuff online actually for any anyone that wants to get into songwriting um i remember my sister and i used one a lot when we were trying to really just crank out songs one after another until we could find the ones that were really sticking out for us. Um, it's a, a rhyme dictionary and it's just incredibly useful because instead of just going through your head and trying to think of words, you just see the words <laughs> pop up on your screen and it makes right. your life a ton easier. <laughs> if you So if you don't already have the idea in your head and you are stuck, it really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's online. And I mean, there's a ton of stuff online. But I use Evernote, the app Evernote, to jot down ideas um, for songs. I I don't know of any, like, I haven't really looked, though, so I'm not the greatest source for this of a songwriting app. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I mean, yeah, you're, you're probably but, writing more more songs, you know, than anybody else I know. And I just didn't know if there was something that you were using. Yeah, to kind I of mean, I that. really, I, I'm old-fashioned. I just love to have a notebook and a pen. <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, I definitely use Evernote and I have, I have a timer app as well, but focus keeper is really great. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend that one as well. And I have the tempo, is it called tempo advanced? I think, uh, well, there's two, there's the, the free version is tempo and that's your basic, like four, four metronome can kind of do six, eight, you know, just your really basic mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I did pay for tempo advanced cause that does odd meters and hemiolas and like, um, polyrhythm stuff pretty mm-hmm. well. That like it's a lot more complex, but with some of the jazz odd meter stuff I was doing, it was very helpful. Yep, I would agree. I think having a metronome app is super useful. I I love having just you know a physical metronome too, but you don't always have the space um, to use that in. Mm-hmm. And I can't plug my headphones into a physical 
uh, Tronome, the one that I have. So oh, if I okay. like, if my roommates are home and I don't want to be annoying, click, <laughs> click, I can just click, plug click, in my click. headphones. Yeah. Yep. Um, the other app that I use a ton is for guitar playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, I mean, there are a ton of of apps for that. It's just guitar tabs. Oh, um, okay. It's just a G as an icon, and if you're, you know, if you're looking for new ideas, if you're trying to figure out a song. The one thing I will say with tabs is that you need to trust your ears as well. Like uh, you shouldn't just print out a tab and yeah. assume it's correct. Yeah. And I'm sure you've run into that as well. Uh, just do but it it's by a great, it's a great do start, it by yeah. your own ear. Take the take a, a lot more time point. and um and I use YouTube a ton to learn how to play certain parts. Mm-hmm. And that's just a matter of you taking the time to find out, you know, which videos do you like. Are there certain teachers that that you learn better from? Mm-hmm. Um, I know YouTube isn't really an app, but it's very useful if you're trying to learn learn someone else's song. Right, or I even found. just finding other interpretations of of different things, seeing who's playing what. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, especially is is with a lot of the like the solo classical rep. I'd always check and just see like you know who else is playing this piece what big names have done it you know mm-hmm. how did they play things like that that was always helpful as well um once mm-hmm. once youtube came around because i right I, I, <laughs> I, we both remember when that wasn't a thing so it's amazing it's i mean it's just amazing uh mm-hmm. so what did what else are you using that i that i'm not using yeah no i think those are i mean i have um i obviously there's a tuner in there I think the only two things that I have and use on a regular basis is the iReal Pro. Um, and obviously that's mm-hmm. that's a jazz thing, but that's just got like a really horribly basic backing tracks for stuff. So it just kind of helps me keep, you know, form with that and um, just gives me the core. It just kind of keeps me honest because I, I still do the work and transcribe all this stuff by ear myself first. Mm-hmm. Um but it is, it's just nice if I don't have an actual live backing track or I don't feel like loading up the Abersol and hearing, you know, those kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. And on a gig, if someone does call something I don't know, that's right there. Um, and I, if I need to play and don't have it, you know, whatever else. Um, and then Drum Genius is the only other ah, one that I use. And that one's cool. like actual drum loops of like an actual drummer playing the loop. Um, and it's got like all sorts of like world beats. <coughs> um and like rock and roll stuff and hip hop beats and R&B grooves and jazz things and odd meter stuff just everything you could think of um but just all kind of neatly packaged into like a you know a, a 10 second drum loop that will just kind of infinitely go on so you can practice playing over those kind of things too mm-hmm. um so that really helps with different especially different world feels um you know cuz like just playing 4 4 swing at this time at this point at least I don't necessarily need to like just hear that as much i'd rather just work with my own drummer on that but if there's mm-hmm. if there's a really specific you know afro cuban groove that i have to play that's really really useful to like trying to get inside that sound um but i think nice i think that's really about it i mean and then just the voice memo to record things and not only do i record practice oh, sessions yeah. or like practice like just little snippets i also heavily use that to remember how i played things Voice memo is amazing, mm-hmm. I think, for musicians. I'm sure people use it for all sorts of things, but yeah. I find that incredibly useful. Yep, especially if, if I'm writing something in the rare times that I'm like actively writing stuff. Um, I use that a lot to just like 
this is what I meant to play or that, you know, this is like just helps me remember stuff, yeah. especially when I'm like at school and if I have a free period or something and I'm just noodling at a piano and it's like, oh, that was really cool. I just, you know, pull that out and record it real quick. And um, mm-hmm. I definitely use that to record melody lines that I'm hearing that I don't want to forget because, you know, as you're, <laughs> as you go about your day, mm-hmm. so you just can't remember them all the time. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. There's just too much stuff. So, um, yeah, those are some of the big ones that I'm using. So, um, with that wonderfish, any, any big final thoughts on practice tips, how to improve it, how to get more out of the session? Well, so we talked about setting goals, tracking mm-hmm. progress in some way, mm-hmm. and then finding the tools that are helpful to you. So it's really like customizing what you need to get the most out of what you want to, you want to reach. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another cool thing that I heard on this exact line of how to customize it was if, cause there are a lot of schools of thought on how to practice any mm-hmm. given thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the idea that I heard when someone was complaining about like, you know, how do I choose? Do I do a week of this person or whatever? And the general mm-hmm. thought was like, pick one way of doing something and do it for a year. Cause whoever, whoever you got it from probably made progress and it worked for them. Right. Yeah. You know, so do that thing or pick a month, like do a month of something, see what's working and what's not, and then make your adjustments. Yeah, I would totally, I would be willing to try that. I don't know if I'd go a whole year though, if I'm not seeing any progress. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you would adjust. I think I originally heard the context in something other than practicing music or it was Mm -hmm. what it was, but like, yeah, like find a a way of doing something, do it, do it that exact way for a month or even a week and just see, am I making progress? You know, you might have to do a month because I think that's the other thing too, is people try to like instant gratification this stuff yeah <laughs> and there's you, you, there's just no substitute at all for time in the shed exactly. you know and especially if, if you're setting those goals and you're using like things to keep you on track like focus keeper or um just like being really diligent then mm-hmm. like then you're going to get better and you won't need to spend eight hours in the shed it can be four very focused like prime mm-hmm. hours it also doesn't have to be four straight hours it can be an hour in the morning hour in the afternoon two before you go to bed like mm-hmm. you can break things up like that that was also a large part of how i get in six to eight hours a day when i was in school yeah like a half hour when i wake up go to you know all those little things like the time adds up and there's no substitute for that all right so those are our tips for getting the most out of your practice sessions we'll see you next time on the musical thanks for listening The Music Bowl is sponsored by the Rosie O'Leary Publishing Company and our patrons. If you'd like to contribute and have your name read on air, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash herdandthewonderfish. The Music Bowl is recorded at the Rosie O'Leary Studios in New York, and a special thanks to our staff composer Parker Story and our editors Aaron Pezzavento and Chris Ramson. From all of us here at the Music Bowl, we all had a nice time and everything tasted great. (music) 